I Want to Like You is sponsored by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper mattresses come with free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. And right now, get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash like and using the promo code like. Hello, and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today is Catherine Newman, the esteemed Modern Manners columnist for Real Simple. Our topic today is narcissists. Now, as Catherine wisely told me in a recent email, this is a, I'm quoting Catherine's email, this is a good slash hard topic for manners because narcissists inherently don't really care about other people and caring about other people is the heart of polite behavior. Anyway, Catherine, so how was that for an introduction? <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> nothing like being quoted. Nothing like hearing yourself being quoted when you're being introduced. Yeah, I know, especially on the topic of narcissism. It was perfect. <laughs> right. And on that topic, I apologize to all of you listeners out there at the sound of my voice today. Um, let's talk about that for a little while. What's wrong with my voice? Now, um, I have a I have a cold, so um, hopefully this I can squeak through this. But so I wanted to start with the Mayo Clinic definition of what narcissistic personality disorder is. Actually, this is this is from the Mayo Clinic. Then includes the DSM definition of narcissistic personality disorder. And it's a long list of things, so I won't read them all, but you have an exaggerated sense of self-importance. You expect to be recognized as superior, even if you don't have achievements that warrant that. You exaggerate your achievements and talents. You're preoccupied with fantasies of success, power, brilliance, beauty, blah, blah, blah. Um, You require constant admiration. You have a sense of entitlement. You expect special favors. Catherine, am I describing you? (laughs) No, you're not. But I do feel like whenever you're talking about narcissism or thinking about narcissism or dealing with a narcissistic personality, it is an excellent opportunity to reflect on your own behavior. So even as you're reading that list, I'm sitting here thinking, do I do any of those things? No. i got to really you make know sure what? I don't do any of those things. I actually things. don't think you do any of these things. <laughs> um, now, one thing that's really interesting, though, about narcissists, according to the Mayo Clinic, is that they also have or may have secret feelings of insecurity, shame, vulnerability, and humiliation. So it's not just like superly, super overly confident people who have like an incredible self, bulletproof self-confidence. It's, it seems like people who have this kind of veneer of arrogance, but underneath you scratch the surface and there's something kind of uglier underneath. Yeah, I think that's um, exactly right. Because you know if you're dealing with somebody deeply confident, they don't actually need you to validate them constantly. All right. So then there was also this really good, not that recent, but easy to find Harvard Business Review article. You can find it online about narcissistic leaders that talks about how Freud named the type of, named this personality type after the figure Narcissus, who died because of his pathological preoccupation with himself. You know but how, all, right? He fell into the pool. He was admiring. His oh, favorite. right. And he drowned. Right. <laughs> 
Uh, my Greek mythology is not actually that <laughs> up to date, but now I now that you that jogs something in my memory. Yeah, right. Um, but but there was this really funny quote in the Harvard Business Review article about Larry Ellison, the CEO of Oracle, and an executive or of uh, an executive at Oracle said. And this is the quote, the difference between God and Larry is that God does not believe he is Larry. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, and then the last thing I will say, and then Catherine, I want to turn this over to you, but there was, I worked with someone years ago in my current job who I thought was kind of a huge narcissist. And I was talking to a a mutual um, acquaintance about this person who said, well, here's the deal with narcissists. When you're in a relationship with a narcissist, you have you can only play one of two roles. You are either the head cheerleader or you are the incompetent servant. Yeah. And I, I, I thought that, is that like really famous and I just didn't know it? No, no, I just love it. No, you emailed Isn't that it to great? me and I thought, oh my God, oh, that I did. is so true. Yeah, and so now when I think about people who I think of as narcissists, I immediately think of that like, okay, am I head cheerleader or am I incompetent servant? But Catherine, so now, so that's kind of the clinical, right? That is both the Harvard Business Review, Larry Ellison, and clinical definition of narcissism. But when you talk about kind of social narcissism, it gets a little looser, right? Even as you were saying that, I was thinking like, yeah, right. So there's, you know, whatever your, you know, crazy egomaniacal boss may be at work, but... When even as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, right, where I deal with it in a really weird way is like school drop off and the parent who wants to tell me for like a hundred years about how their kid is the best skier in the Northeast and went to this and that championship and is so incredibly talented and on and on and on and on. And, and the more the need presents itself to be validated, the less I want to validate it. And that way yeah. that you watch yourself get triggered and turned off by someone's, you know, pressing you up against the wall of their need to be validated because what it looks like is boasting, which is just so so incredibly unpleasant. And I feel like I deal with it in this weird passive-aggressive way, which is doing the opposite, where then there's a little lull and I say, you know, well, my kids spent all of winter break reading the Ikea catalog. <laughs> you know, just that, like, I, I'm not even going to get into it. Right. You know, I got nothing. Right. And it's not even, you only would sort of feed it by, I don't know what, trying to shove your own ego into the conversation. It's, it's never, it never goes well. Well, okay, so, so let's, let's think about that mom at drop-off. Right. So what could your response be? You could you could say, you could do your, like, I'm not playing this game with you, and my kids read the IKEA catalog, and they don't even know how to ski, right? Yeah. Which, is your, which is probably actually would be my route to take as well. Or you could say, like, oh, my God, that's amazing. You must be so proud. Right. Exactly. Little Johnny is a superstar. that's the, what I always call the shoveling in response. Someone presents with their you know, giant pit of need, and do you avoid it, step around it, or you just, do you start trying to shovel into it? And right. I think it really depends on, I think it depends on what kind of moment you're having, how much you care about this person. I was emailing you about the, you know, that I have a family member right. who does this with me, and this is a person I love. I mean, despite that he's such a pain and such a narcissist, 
And so I vow before seeing him that I vow to shovel in. I just, wow, that's incredible. That sounds like such an amazing job. And I just, I know I'm not going to get any of my own needs met. And I just see it as an opportunity to be my most generous self. And so I leave with high self-esteem as the honest truth, because I, it's like a horrible superiority thing is perhaps the paradox, but that I see myself as a person who is trying to meet this person's need. So that's the other thing. You could say exactly like you're saying. You could say to that mom, wow, your kids are amazing. It sounds like you guys are doing such incredible things. Wow, Aspen, how wonderful, you know. Well, here's my question to you. So you've got, so you've presented two different people, right? The mom at drop-off, who presumably you don't know that well, right? right? And then your family member, who you know really well, do you know... I guess I, my question to you is, given what we talked about with narcissists, that there's this underlying sense of shame or insecurity or whatever, when you think about this family member, is that what is under the surface? I think you know? so, yeah. I think and so maybe that makes you absolutely. more, maybe that makes you kinder, right? Or to remember, you mean to remember, I mean, that's what we call in my house, the the no bad seed hypothesis. The people aren't just bad. You know, narcissists oh. are just jerks. Like they got that they got that way somehow. They right. didn't, something didn't get something didn't get set in motion correctly when they were kids or they had a competitive sibling thing or their parents, you know, didn't validate them whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you see that, you know, if you see the person, especially if it's someone you love, if you see them more as like a wounded bird, than as a monster, I think it's much easier to, to to compassionately engage with whatever their need is. Wow, that sounds incredible. I'm so impressed that you've done that with your life, which will, which will cut it off so much quicker than evading it will. All right, Catherine, I want to come back in a minute to some real, some, some concrete strategies people can use in a situation like this. But first, I want to give you guys a word from our sponsor, Casper. So let's talk about Casper mattresses for a minute. So anyone who shopped for a mattress knows that the mattress industry can make things quite expensive and make decision-making really tough. What Casper does, they are an online retailer of premium mattresses for literally a fraction of the price of most mattresses you're going to find out there. The mattress industry has forced this market that makes all of us kind of pay a lot for a mattress. And what Casper has done is they've cut out the dealer, they've cut out the showroom, and they're passing those savings directly on to you, the consumer. So as someone who has bought a couple of mattresses actually within the last couple of years, I can tell you that, you know, I have a king-size bed, and the Casper king-size mattress is $950. I'm not going to tell you how much I paid for my king-size mattress Let's just say it was a lot, it was more than double that. They also have a risk-free trial and return policy. They're made in America, which we cannot undervalue these days. And as I mentioned, the prices are really low. $500 for a twin mattress, $950 for a king-size mattress. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com like and using the promo code LIKE. Just remember, terms and conditions apply. So, Catherine, I'm yeah. thinking about this family member. Yeah. Do you, because I have, there are certainly, I mean, we all, as, and it's probably true for everyone listening to this podcast, we all have people in our lives 
who, when you're listening to them talk and go on and on and on, and it's all like one self-aggrandizing story after the next, you're just thinking like, shoot me now, right? Like, I'm just, <laughs> how can I get out of here? But do you have, so when you're dealing with this family member, what do you advise? Do, do well, you... I advise, honestly, I advise two radically different things depending on this person's place in your life. I, if it's cherished somebody who you are going to be in a relationship with forever, and I'm, I'm thinking really mostly a family in that case, mm-hmm. see it as an opportunity. This sounds so ridiculous, but it's true. I see it as an opportunity to work on, my, on being my best, most generous self. Mm-hmm. And I just head right into the need instead of trying to avoid it. And I just say, wow, that's incredible. Wow, tell me more about that. You know, I ask questions because I think, weirdly, narcissists, people stop asking them anything because you're so flattened by their conversational style. And I actually, I swear you watch it go away a little. You watch a person's face relax. They sort of run out of all the things they wanted to tell you and occasionally might actually ask you something about yourself. Yeah. Which is such an opportunity for them because that's the only way you would heal from being a narcissist is to see how rewarding it is to be in a mutual relationship. Okay, so I, want, I have two things I want to say about that. The first is in terms of healing, narcissist healing or changing, in this Mayo Clinic thing that I was reading about narcissists, I want to read what it says about about it's under the section called when to see a doctor right? <laughs> um, under narcissistic personality disorder. So here's what the Mayo Clinic says. When you have narcissistic personality disorder, you may not want to think that anything could be wrong. Doing so wouldn't fit with your self-image of power and perfection. So narcissists don't think they're narcissists. They don't. And that, but then right. it goes on to say people with narcissistic personality disorder are most likely to seek treatment when they develop symptoms of depression, uh-huh. often because of perceived criticisms or rejections. Yeah. So I wonder if I think you're shoveling in approach and being your best self. So what that's just you recognizing the humanity in somebody else, right? And that right. you need to you need to realize that they are flawed and you need to be a good person. And and it makes me think of, and this is so random, but uh, did you ever see that? Um, well, this is in the book too, but of course, because I'm such a dilettante, I'm going to reference the movie Emma instead of the book Emma. But the <laughs> the Emma with um, Gwyneth Paltrow and Jeremy Northam was on TV last weekend. Yeah. And my favorite scene is when Miss Bates is blathering on about something at the picnic and Emma insults her in front of everybody. And Jeremy Northam later lights into Emma and says, I'm so disappointed in you. You know, she's, she is beneath you, and she has no prospects for her future, and, and, and yet you basically, like, kicked her when she's down. And I think that when you're dealing with this family member or all of us, when we look at narcissists and we realize that un- what's underneath is not supreme bulletproof self-confidence right but actually a wounded in some respects person yep then you have to be like mr knightley (laughs) but then i mean honestly the nice thing to remember too that's i swear so helpful is you don't need to be your best self with a narcissist but you choose to be 
Oh, right. So it's not actually a requirement. You can walk away. You know, you are a free agent in the world. And so just also to remember that you you have choices you can make. You're not technically stuck there, and you can decide to step towards it. And that inevitably really reduces that pressure you feel like you're backed up against it. But you might, so, so question for you. Yeah. With, with the mom at drop-off. Yeah. Why is your response different, do you think? Well, it's really funny. I was actually just thinking that and wondering if you were going to ask me that. Like, why am I sort of a jerk and passive-aggressive? It's because she pushes my buttons so badly. Yeah, right. And I don't have a relationship. I don't know anything but that, so it's so hard for me to muster. And also because I'm not... I mean, I really just see myself as being funny. I mean, I know it's passive-aggressive, but I feel like it's sort of funny instead of being yeah, like... Yeah, I'm sure it's funny. Well, yeah. also, you're not so invested really, in that. The truth is I don't really know, and it's, I don't think it's useful. I don't think it changes her behavior, but I'm not that invested in her, in who she is on, on any deep level. So yeah. maybe it has to do with my investment in a person who I know. I think if I were a better person, I would always do it, and I don't. But the other thing I was going to say, the, the radically different thing, is that um, the older I get, the more I just am not friends with narcissists. And I, oh, so talk about that a bit. Like, what, what uh, brought well, you to that I, you decision? Know, the other thing I'm sure it was in your reading is that narcissists are um, traditionally really charismatic. You know, they're, they, they are outgoing, they uh, care a lot about sort of how they look and how they present in the world. And so you might be attracted to somebody who turns out to be a narcissist. And, and I just, compo- these days I just compartmentalize. If someone, is a nar- if someone turns out to be a narcissist, that might be a person I have a fun time having a drink with or seeing at a party, whatever. I'm just never going to take any of my actual friendship needs to that person. Never. Right. Not going to, I'm not going to expect them to be a a true friend or a confidant or to be someone I can go with, with a problem or a real life thing. That's like your, you know, good time friend. Now I've got another question for you. So let's go back. (laughs) I'm sorry to keep coming back to the family member, but it's a very good, (laughs) I think it's really narcissists. They don't listen to other people's podcasts. So I'm in no (laughs) danger of being routed out. Okay. Have you ever considered saying, like, trying to kind of dig deep with this person and say, I love you, but why do you always just talk about yourself? Like, have you ever had that kind of a conversation with him? You know, there was, uh, it might be too deep for this conversation, but I, there was once a time um, when I said something almost like that, um, and it was about this person never having, you know, I'm a writer, and this person actually still thought I was a teacher, which I hadn't been for like 20 years, and had never mm. read anything I'd written and didn't really seem to know that I was published, uh, whatever, and, and that kind of pushed my own little ego buttons. And I tried to say something about that, you know, because it also feels cynical to make no effort at all to have a mutual relationship with somebody. There's something a little cynical about not trying or not saying, hey, you know, I'm here too. And it well, it's kind of hurtful. It's hurtful. But I it's think. also, it's hurtful, but it's, yeah, it's, it, there's something, I feel also like it's cynical on my part to make no effort to communicate more deeply with somebody, you know, just to sort of take the high road of like, fine, I'll just meet all your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried to say something and 
needless to say, it went so badly and actually turned into an occasion for this person to tell me every single time he'd ever been disappointed in me. And I thought, you know what? It's just, this is not a conversation that we're going to have at this point. And maybe in 10 years, we will. Well, you know, that that really aligns, I've got to say, Catherine, with the Mayo Clinic thing I was reading, (laughs) which is you can't, I mean, that's, and that's why it's so hard. Like you can't challenge, you probably can't challenge this person, right? Because then it turns into a whole thing. Because if you think about how they're actually, this person's deeply insecure, then you Mm -hmm. realize, oh, right, you are just poking at an injury. Let's wrap up with, can you, could you sort of bullet point your approach when you're dealing with either a relative stranger or like I'm thinking of of useful tips that come out of the couple of things you've talked about which are the as you know over the years the kind of friendships you have begun to identify and how you identify that oh this person's a narcissist and not a true friend Mm -hmm. how you deal with a family member Mm -hmm. well we kind of covered that but if you could like summarize and then and then, like, the relative stranger, like the school drop-off lady. Yeah. So school drop-off lady, it seems my advice is to be passive-aggressive, which is really always <laughs> great advice from a, a manners expert. Um, <laughs> that's not I love that. Advice, you know, we did, a, we did a whole podcast think, on know, that. You, you, you protect yourself a little bit. I mean, I don't. you also cannot walk through the world as just a screen for everybody's issues. So... Uh, you know, a little self-protection with something like that to make sure that you're, you have enough um, of your needs met everywhere in the world that you don't then become vulnerable when somebody boasts to you or calls into question your choices. Mm-hmm. So basically to have, make sure you have real support in your life so that narcissists can't hurt you really. Okay. Dealing with the family member... You know, like I said, my approach is a shovel-in approach, and that means knowing I'm not going to say a lot about myself, knowing I'm not going to get a problem talked through, just using it as an occasion to really see a person as, you know, a person who might be in need, despite how prickly or difficult they present themselves as or button-pushy, and to mm-hmm. shovel in. That's my... That is... For better or worse, that's my family member approach. And mm-hmm. then, you know, to identify narcissism lurking in your difficult friendships and to realize, you know, that might not be a close friend. Yeah. And I could just enjoy what there is to enjoy. You don't have to cut that person out of your life unless you want to, and then you can. But that every everyone doesn't need to have the same function. Everyone doesn't need to, you know, complete you or be this perfect friend that you could just enjoy what there is to enjoy and leave the rest. Well, that sounds that sounds really good. And I think you've covered three, I don't know, maybe that's not 100% of the narcissists that our listeners will encounter, but I think that's close to 100% between, you know, friends, family members, and then more casual acquaintances. And so on that note, we're going to wrap up. That's it for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Thank you, Catherine, so much for joining me and bringing your wisdom as always. Thank you so much. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. Please let us know what you think of this show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet ideas for this podcast directly to me at Kay Van Ogtrop. 
For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com. And of course, subscribe to us in iTunes. For Catherine Newman, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.